Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hello, folks. Today, we will be speaking to Bankorus, formerly known as Michai the world's first private wealth management platform powered by AI and built on the blockchain. Bankorus aims to bring several of the traditional banking products available to high net worth individuals to the crypto market. In addition, they're seeking to provide additional improvements to some of the more middle, middle office and back office functions within banks, such as reporting, identity management and risk management by leveraging the blockchain. Bankorus's innovative asset allocation and portfolio management system now handles a combined 30 billion US dollars for more than 200,000 high net worth individuals. Our guest today is Greg Vandenberg, CEO and co-founder of Bankorus. Greg launched China's first robo-advisor system under the former name of Michai in 2013. Formerly working for Morgan Stanley Private Wealth Management and GLG, one of the largest hedge funds in the world, Greg is originally from Belgium, a graduate of Oxford University and the Chung Kong Graduate School of Business. Greg also just had a baby last weekend. Welcome to the show, Greg, and congratulations on the new baby. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. And I apologize in advance if there's some crying in the background. No worries. She just was was born, so. Completely understandable, but I'm sure these are very interesting and challenging times for you. Absolutely. It's the birth of yeah, two new babies. So it's really, really exciting. Let's, so let's start the interview. Uh, before we go deeper into what you're trying to achieve with Bankorus, I want to talk about your current business of robo-advisory. Could you tell us more about your current business in terms of the kind of advisory that you provide, who your clients are, and what your current business model is? Excellent. We have two currently two lines of businesses. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we were the first uh, robo-advisor of China, um, and we still offer that service uh, as a B2B service for a variety of um, financial institutions where we offer white-label uh, robo-advisory services. So we, uh, we provide them with a technology solution via which they can offer robo-advisory services to their clients, often with the existing products that the wealth management firm uh, has at the moment. And secondly, uh, we have a software system that currently is the market leader in China for private wealth management and private banking um, software, uh, which is called Mitsai Apollo. Uh, we are using this uh, for private wealth management firms to be used both by the end client, whether it's the family office of a high net worth individual, as well as the relationship managers that is serving the client, as well as the, the com- within the company itself. And so we take care of part of the middle office. So we take care of onboarding the client uh, as well as part of the portfolio analysis. Uh, it's a system that automatically creates portfolios based on the inputs that the customers uh, that we have, the to-be customer, uh, puts in, what they want their clients to be invested in. 
uh, as well as uh, we, we, we take care of part of the risk analysis. So it's a SaaS business model. So we sell it uh, per, per, per user or we have package deals for, for, the, for the businesses. And so currently indirectly 200,000 um, families are, are using the software to handle their wealth, um, to see what they have in portfolio with the wealth manager we work for to manage the risk, et cetera. Well, that sounds great. In fact, I was working as a consultant to private banks in my most recent uh, job until I quit based out of Singapore. So I worked a lot with Credit Suisse, uh, Julius Baer, and some of the other private banks. Uh, so so I, I, I find this, uh, you know, uh, what you're trying to do even, even more exciting. So now you're moving on to uh, sort of the dark side, you know, you're providing crypto-based financial products to high net worth individuals going forward. Was there a demand from the client side, which led you to make the move to crypto? Or did you find this gap in the market so enticing that you absolutely had to capitalize on it? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I, I think there there are sort of three main reasons for for why we um, why we did it. First of all, was was utterly client demand. So um, most family offices um, are talking about crypto investments. They see the returns not just of Bitcoin, but also of a lot of great crypto funds um, and, and and other other projects. So so you know people people talk about it. Um, people are looking into it. Uh, and, 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 and we get a lot of questions asked about it. You know, it's early days for them to move into crypto, but you know, about 20% of the people that we talk to uh, within the next six months will increase their position or take a position uh, if, of their total portfolio uh, within crypto. So client demand is sort of the first one. Uh, secondly, we have been using blockchain uh, technology um, primarily for creating an audit trail within the uh, software system that we that we currently have, um, you know, a big a big um, key pain point that we had in the industry was that people buy a certain portfolio, um, work with a certain wealth manager, and then for for whatever reason the performance uh, they're not happy with after let's say two years, and then they decide to um, to 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 ask questions about well I wasn't I wasn't aware of the risk or I wasn't fully informed and so it's really important for the wealth management firm to have a clear audit trail of what was sold to which person what was signed who exactly signed off on what what was sent what was sent in terms of reporting was the client fully aware of risk disclosure and when we first um, started with with the robo advisory for businesses we found out that the problem of you know, AI is partly linked to the data and we spend most of the time cleaning up the data and centralizing the data for a lot of the companies that we, that we were working with. And that just took, a, you know, a, such a great deal of time so that we, um, we decided there has to be some way to centralize or, or decentralize the data so we can have different permissions for different users and, and blockchain you know, was it was a technology that that came up and we looked into it we liked it and so we were already putting a lot of the data um, of the products that people bought uh, on the chain and so for us last year the realization came that well if we're we're spending that much time to put actually the data of the products the financial products on the blockchain so people can manage the asset on the blockchain why don't we just securitize or tokenize 
the actual end product so that the, the entire product, the entire asset is 100% managed on the blockchain, which would, which would um, decrease cost a, a great deal. I mean, currently, you know, wealth management firms, uh, wealth managers, relationship managers that face clients spend over half their time often on administrative tasks, tasks to do with compliance tasks that can be automated partly via smart contracts. And so, you know, the second reason why, why we, why we, um, why we used this, this particular, uh, or, or move from the traditional, um, sauce model, uh, where we already use blockchain to actually put in the asset of the blockchain is that it is a very natural evolution because we already were using blockchain. The only thing we're changing now is securitizing the asset. And then I think, you know, the, 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 the third reason behind, besides the, 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 the demand from the clients and, and the actual, you know, the, the, the way of, of the industry is going is, I think, thirdly, the world is getting much more decentralized, uh, which, which is a good thing. And I think with the compliance that's happening uh, recently with the SEC and you know, different regulators, uh, a lot of it is becoming a security token. And so this market all of a sudden became really, really hot. Currently, more than 99% of all the tokens out there are utility tokens. Uh, we believe that will change. And so a security token platform uh, that, we, that we've been building seems to be the solution. The, so everything kind of lined up really nicely in the last few months. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it hits uh, very close to home for me, you know, having worked within private banks, you know, I've, I've personally come across all of the shortcomings, especially in terms of the process inefficiencies that work within the banks, something that you touched upon. Since you have access to high net worth individuals, I want to know what they are thinking about crypto. You know, I also want to do it for the benefit of our listeners who might not necessarily have an idea of how the smart money or how the big players are tackling this asset class. So as a ballpark, what percentage of high net worth individuals, in your opinion, do you think currently have exposure to crypto? And what percentage is looking to get exposure to crypto? I would say at the moment, uh, early 2018, from the surveys that we've done amongst Asian clients, it's about one to 2% uh, of, the, of the high net worth currently has a crypto allocation. And of that one to two percent, it's only a, a, a small amount where where it's really more than one percent of the total portfolio they have. But if we ask the question, who in the next six months is, is looking to enter crypto? Uh, it's 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 over half uh, the high net worth is sort of looking to take a position uh, moving forward. Whether it's whether it's dabbling into it, buying a few you know a Bitcoin or something like that, uh, or whether it's on mass, uh, we'll see. But that I think the trend is really irreversible. Uh, the reason being is that there are a lot of benefits for high net worth individuals to, to own crypto. First is the returns uh, that you have seen. Secondly, it is the diversification of the portfolio. You know, high net worth individuals, their first, their first um, demand is often not to lose money. And so in order not to lose money, you it, it, it makes sense to invest in parts of your portfolio that are not not that correlated so that when the market goes up or down not your entire portfolio goes up and down so traditionally and with individuals have an exposure to gold because gold is often 
is often uh, contrary to, to market trends. When market goes down, often gold goes up, etc. And so crypto is a similar asset that historically, for the, for the, last, for the last decade, uh, has been quite, uh, quite um, um, uncorrelated with, with other returns. And so you see that if you put 5% or 10% of your, of your wealth into, into actual you know, digital, digital uh, utility tokens, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Zem, you know, et cetera, um, your performance is, is, is much more uncorrelated and your, your portfolio is, is, is less risky. Um, I think, I think a, th a third reason um, that, that high net worth are moving, moving into crypto and talking about this is because crypto or blockchain as a technology can just provide a much safer way for them to invest. Uh, whether it's on the custody side, whether it's smart contracts are transparent, it's very difficult to do a Ponzi scheme uh, because everything is on the chain, everything is decentralized. Um, you know, et cetera. So, so the benefits are definitely, definitely uh, there. Now, if I would aim for one key, key benefit um, besides those three, it would definitely be on the liquidity side. You know, high net worth individuals, other than most investors, most of their wealth is tied up for the long run because it's in real estate. You know, you cannot buy a house tomorrow overnight. Uh, it's locked up in private equity funds or venture capital funds for often 10 years. Uh, and so because their portfolio is so illiquid, they often look for ways to improve the, improve the liquidity um, of the portfolio. And so tokenizing traditional investments, whether it's real estate, farmland, venture capital, private equity, art, gives them a secondary market um, in which they can buy and sell um, part of the assets that they already have. And that, that value proposition is, is really attractive for a lot of the, a lot of the high net worth individuals. Um, and that's also what we're, we're aiming for. On the other hand, you see an emerging class of crypto high net worth individuals. And we had a lot of demand from them that they say, look, you know, I've been a miner for many, many years. I have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, 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 of crypto positions. Um, but I would like to diversify and I would like to, I would like to move uh, into different types of assets. I would like to buy a house because I would like to retire in, in Australia or in Singapore. You know, is there something available? What can I do in order to, to make sure that you know, if, if Bitcoin drops 20%, I don't, I don't drop with my total wealth 20%. So that's something of the you know, the questions that we have, and there's much more interest from a lot of the whales to, uh, to, to, to in, invest in other things with their crypto. So there's a big demand on that side. And our platform kind of connects the two because traditional high net worth want to get into crypto positions, whereas crypto high net worth, they would like to get into more security tokens, liquid assets to create a diversified portfolio. And that is something Bancorus provides. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, you touched upon some of the things uh, and value propositions that Bancorus uh, brings to the table. And I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, before that, uh, you mentioned uh, custody. And that is something I want to get, uh, you know, pick your brains uh, on, you know, what are high net worth individuals or private banks or family offices or some of the whales doing to solve custody issues that some of the more retail um, investors might not know about? Yeah, it's, it's a big problem. And currently, we haven't seen a very good solution to the custody uh, issue. I think you're right in saying that, the, the, you know, I was at, I was at um, 
Polycon, the first security token conference uh, a few days ago in, in Bahamas. And, you know, the topic was what is standing between now and the mass adoption of, of crypto. And it was said that, well, you know, most family offices, most high net worth, um, they don't want something where you say, look, all your wealth is in tokens and there is a, here's a piece of paper with 24 words. And if you lose that paper, you lose all your assets and there's no way of getting them back. And this is, you know, really bad customer experience. And a lot of family offices and high net worth don't like it. Well, we haven't seen any real good solution uh, for high net worth on the custody side. We are building one of them um, and we will release more details in, in, in the future. Um, what I can say, however, is that there are some business models that have solved the custody problem, not for crypto, but for other assets. Uh, a bank is a typical example, right? If I lose my bank card or I lose my PIN number, it's not that all my money is lost. A bank has a license to hold, um, to hold different assets, to, to be a custodian of your assets. And so if you lose your, your PIN code, they can do verification. And, and yeah, some people pass verification, if, you know, even if it's, if it's, if it's um, you know, not, 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 not legally, um, but the bank has insurance mechanisms for that and, and your deposits are insured. So, so that is, that is what's, what's happening. In crypto, there hasn't been any player yet that have stood up and said, look, I'm, I'm willing to give similar guarantees, willing to do that. Bancorus is, is, is looking to do that and looking to come up with a solution from the industry, for the industry. You know, one, of, one of the key backers, investors, and advisors is, is a former CEO of, of Morgan Stanley's private bank. Uh, he's been dealing with tons of family offices, high net worth, and, and we believe that we at Bancorus have a solution to solve not just that custody part, but also the actual marketplace side where people buy the tokens in a compliant way. Because a big fear of a lot of high net worth is great. You know, I buy the tokens, it increases a lot in value, but what then? I have to be compliant. I have to make sure I, I'm fully aware of all the implications of, of holding tokens. And eventually I, I want to get rid of them and, and sell them for something else. And so that, those questions Bancorus really aims to solve. Let's just move on to Bancorus now. I think it's, it's you know, since, since you've been talking about it. Uh, so you've divided your product offering into three main categories, modules, functions, and engines. And I want to talk about each of those. From, from my understanding, having read your white paper, I understand that engines is something that is already available, which is your AI-powered AI robo-advisor. Modules is where the fun stuff happens, including you know, the trading and tokenizing of assets and the asset-backed loans. And functions is the relatively boring but, but essential bit, which helps with the KYC, the risk management and, and reporting. Is that correct, high level speaking? Correct, correct. So let's, let's dive into modules because you know, that was the section that I found most fascinating as well. So perhaps we can spend a bit of time there. Within the module section, you have three main offerings. So be tokenize, be loan, and, and be market. Um, could you talk about each of those high level speaking? What, what is it that each of those products offer to the high net worth individuals, family offices, and, and private banks? Great. The main module of the three is be market. Uh, the best way to see it is think about it like Amazon but for security tokens. So we're looking to be the everything store for any type of security token, whether as an underlying, it is real estate anywhere in the world, venture capital funds, crypto funds, hedge funds, 
farmland, art, you know, any kind of category, uh, we will have it worldwide. That is what the B market is about. And so having, um, having that particular you know, marketplace model, um, we work primarily with third party uh, vendors that issue security tokens, such as uh, Polymath is one of them. There is Trust Token, they're securitized. There recently a lot of companies that stand up and say, look, we have assets or we have access to assets. Let's tokenize them in a compliant way. And then when they tokenize them, they will have to list them on a marketplace, a security token exchange, uh, etc. We, uh, we would be that, that we are that marketplace uh, for them where they can connect their security tokens with potential investors kind of with individuals, crypto wealth, et cetera, that we have on the platform. So that is what, what B Market does. Now, besides working with third-party vendors, sometimes we have people come to us and say, look, we have certain assets um, that we would like to tokenize. And we have a, 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 a branch, which is B Tokenize, that actually helps third parties to tokenize part of their asset part of their wealth so that's something that we we offer as well and so that's what b tokenize is about and then that token that is being uh, made from the b tokenized module will be listed uh and for sale on on b market as well does that make sense uh, that makes Excellent. absolute sense so talking about b token talking about yeah. b tokenize or unless you want to talk about b loan first and then i can get into yeah sure um and so b loan uh is the module that creates um loans of, of securitized loans that are backed by particular assets that are set on the blockchain so many high net worth individuals rather than selling off some of their assets and then moving that money into cash and then from cash into crypto they would come to us and say, look, I have a certain asset. Uh, I would like to borrow against that in crypto. And then we, we take that asset, put it on the chain, put a smart contract against it and issue a loan to them uh, in crypto. On the other hand, some people have a lot of crypto. They would like to borrow against it in either other crypto or in cash. So that is something we look to offer. Uh, as well on the Bancorus platform. So that is then, then B loan. And then on the other side of a loan, there's always an investor. So the investor can be us with our own capital or it can be a third party investor, um, like Salt Loan, for example, that would issue a loan, but then the loan needs to be credited. That particular credit is a fixed income product that people can buy on B markets. So B market would list, you know, borrow out your crypto, invest in a fixed income product for six months, get X return. So that would be something that we would facilitate under B-Loan. And then the actual investment of the loan would be listed on B-Market. That's how the three kind of work together. But B-Market is really the centralized marketplace. Talking about B-Tokenize, so essentially it's allowing high net worth individuals to tokenize their assets for greater liquidity. Right. So the underlying asset in this case could be could be art, could be real estate and, and could be, you know, assets which 
are not the easiest to value. Um, so how would an investor who is looking to buy some of these tokens yeah. value, value the underlying asset? I mean, is this something that you mm -hmm. help mm -hmm. them on? Yeah, correct. That is something that we that we help them on. Um, the valuation itself, if we do it via B tokenized, we get third party uh, valuers to come in. There are third party valuation companies that would value a certain asset, or it could be that the that the um, the owner of the asset itself can say, "Look, you know, I own an apartment. It's Fifth Avenue in New York. It's a hundred square meters. This is the building." Uh, my neighbor sold his apartment two months ago for this price. It's also a 100 square meter apartment, similar location. I believe I can list my apartment for, for the same price. And then what is, what is happening is the, um, the, the tokenization issuer um, can decide how much he wants to report, how much data he wants to have. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like what's the share of the what's the, what's the price of stock? It really depends on supply and demand. It really depends on what the public market thinks should be the price of that particular stock, and that is something that we we are doing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That, so I mean, we think that different different security token issuers will have different standards. Some will report, you know, very very clearly what the price should be. Other ones should be more vaguely and you know, there should be a premium for better reporting. So the market normally, the decentralized marketplace normally would, would, would come up with a, with a much better way of, of um, valuing property than it's, than it's currently being done by you know, real estate agents that have a particular region that they know the pricing about. Sure. And I think, I think this would be a great value add, especially, um, I think especially for high net worth individuals who might have their uh, wealth tied up in, in non-liquid assets. And, and speaking of, you know, we, we spoke about B-Loan, which is uh, essentially borrowing crypto with uh, traditional assets as collateral. So say a high net worth individual borrows crypto against his, his stock portfolio. And, and if the stock portfolio, for whatever reason, or the land holding tanks, you, you would have mechanisms in place for do a margin call of some sort so that you know the collateral can be topped up could you specify the question a little bit more sure i'm just so, trying to find out because yeah yeah so you know so, so hypothetically speaking i have a stock portfolio and i don't want to liquidate my stock portfolio but i want to borrow crypto putting my stock portfolio as collateral yeah does that make sense yeah that is a, yeah that is a possibility so that rather than getting a margin call in your broker account yeah. you'll be able to transfer or collateralize or get, get a loan basically that's backed up by the current value of the, of the, of the stocks. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, yeah. in case the stock portfolio goes down, there would be some sort of a margin call for the high net worth individual to top up the collateral, which is the stock portfolio in this case. Right. Yes. Or other type of collateral. Yeah. yeah. So the, the way it works, I mean, you know, a lot of the, 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 the borrowing in crypto against certain asset or securitization of asset is nothing new. It exists already. It exists already in some, uh, in, 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 in many cases. Um, however, the, um, the cost normally of securitizing your assets is quite, is quite a lot. I mean, if you go to a, to a bank and say, hey, you know what, I would like to borrow, um, you know, 10% uh, remortgage my house for 10%, 
it takes a very long time. If you want to go to, um, to, to uh, if you have a venture capital fund uh, investment and you want to borrow against it, it's really difficult to get liquidity. It takes, it's a very laborious process and probably no, no underwriter would do it for, for you know, a very large amount because um, the due diligence is pretty big. It takes a long time. It's a very manual process. What we offer at Bancorus is we reduce the cost of doing that because blockchain technology reduces the cost. So the tools that are available, like you mentioned, margin call, uh, exemptions, et cetera, um, that are currently only in the hands of very big family offices, very big institutional investors, blockchain and Bancorus platform puts it in the hands of you know, many, many more, many, many more people. I want to now move on to the, the functions product offering. So within functions, you have, again, three products, B-Report, B-ID, B-Risk. B-Report is the first product that will be going live based on your roadmap uh, somewhere uh, around Q2 this year and is essentially a real-time reporting tool. Could you elaborate more on how this reporting tool will be superior to the reporting tools that are used in the market today? It's not really a, it's not really a product. Uh, it's more of a standard. So it's, it's a decentralized standard of reporting um, which rather than, rather than trying to replace current reporting standards, uh, just tries to, tries to set a, a standard way of calculating certain key metrics, such as net asset value, such as return. Because um, currently, the issue is that many, uh, many custodians that do the reporting for different assets, such as venture capital, private equity, hedge funds, have just different ways of calculating what exactly is return, you know, it's time with returns, average rated, it's risk rated. Um, and there, there are just so many ways of calculating it. So it makes from an investor point of view, you know, quite, it's quite difficult to, um, to um, compare different types of products with each other because they all have different ways of they calculate metrics. And so what we would like to do is we, we are proposing uh, a certain standard, a certain fixed way of reporting um, certain metrics in a, in a transparent way. And we, we, we aim and we, we, we would like to put forward, um, not just for people on the Bancorus platform, but any, anyone in crypto to uphold a certain standards uh, of reporting and do it in a very uniform way. So it's really easy for investors to check, oh, that's the real return of that particular crypto fund and that's the real return of that crypto fund. Um, and, and it's the same, by the way, for, for, uh, for B-Risk, which is you know, a uniform way of analyzing risk, of calculating risk. You know, there are different ratios, the Sharpe ratio, the Sortino ratio. Um, and a lot of the times these, these are quite conflicting for people. So we, we, you know, all the data that we have, we open up for people as well to, to, and for third-party risk managers to calculate the risks of certain portfolios, to calculate the risk in a system which we believe is very beneficial for the industry as a whole because you know, it's now 10 years ago the financial crisis happened. And one of, the, one of the key reasons the financial crisis happened is because people just didn't really understand what the risk was they bought into uh, in the different products. And so we, we, aim to, we aim to standardize this or at least push for a, for a standardized way of calculating risk and put it really, really transparent on the blockchain so that other third parties not just Moody's and Fitch 
um, will, will be able to, to calculate these. But basically, everybody can see how everything is is inter interlinked. We think there is a power in, in full transparency uh, and, 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 and openness. Um, that's also why one of our investors and advisors is, is Roger Kirby, who is the head of one of the largest security security law firms uh, in, in the United States, Kirby McKinney. Um, they're the ones that, that have had a, a case against Moody's from Moody's shareholders because of the the, the strong business they were in and the wrong way that they analyzed different risks of, of, of particular financial products. In the same way, this is the firm as well that litigated against Citibank, uh, Citibank selling knowingly uh, bad products to people that were not aware of the risks. And so they, they won. Uh, it's one of the largest um, financial settlements in history of over half a billion dollars that uh, Citibank had to pay back to its investors because of, you know, not the right risk disclosures, et cetera. Um, so all the modules, you know, B-Risk, B-Report, BID, et cetera, are modules that, that we want to create as a standard for the entire financial industry. You're building your product on NEM blockchain. Is there any particular reason to go with NEM? What was your decision-making process? We, we use, yeah, great question. We use a variety of chains, uh, NEM being one of them, um, because most security tokens are listed on a variety of chains, whether it's Ethereum uh, or, or others. And so we have to support uh, a multitude of them. It is true that part of our smart contracts are done in NEM, uh, the NEM platform is very strong in, in, in Asia. It's very strong in Japan, Singapore, um, Malaysia, part of our target markets. Um, what makes NEM um, easy to use in some, some sort of smart contract is the fact that um, if there's a bug in a particular uh, contract, you know, a typical case you might have known from your times at the bank is that you know, well, a relationship manager signs up the person but in one of the you know in one of the documents a name is misspelled or they have some you know strange character and 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 in order to you know you have to be able to change that and so nem allows a kind of a seamless way to to roll back into time uh a particular a particular uh data input uh which is which is necessary for for the uh for the for several business business cases that we've seen in reality and other chains, are, it's much more difficult to roll it back. We have to completely break down a smart contract and create a new one, which, which creates a lot of hassle. Um, the other thing is, it, if you want to, it's, it's relatively easy to find developers that can code smart contracts in them because NEM uses a lot of the existing coding languages uh, rather than creating their own. So that's, that's another scalability thing. Um, also, the, the Lon Wang, the, the president of the NEM Foundation, is an investor in us. So we, we, we're, we know the team quite well. But again, we, we support any type of security token and we built as a platform on, on a multitude of chains. So for us, it's really, it really depends on what is the best for the customer experience rather than you know, this is exactly a chain we, that, we, that we only support. Moving on to the token, uh, you have a token called BKT. Could you quickly elaborate uh, on the role of the token? Okay. So the Bancoris token has three, uh, three main crypto economic uh, parts to it. The first part is, um, like with most currencies, most tokens, it's the main network currency. So if you would like, um, or so every third party that, is, uh, that we pay 
uh, on the platform, whether it's identity verification people, whether it is people that, um, whether it's people that have to uh, do passport control, creation of accredited investors, um, etc. We pay them with our token. So it's the main network token. Also, if you're a user of the platform, the actual trading fees that um, that are being that that you that you can pay, you can pay in, in you know most currencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. However, um, you can also you can also pay them with our token, the BKT Bancoris token. Um, and if you do so, you basically um, reduce the fees by initially 50%. So it's similar to Binance and other exchanges. So with us on the on B market, the fees you pay will be will be less as well if you use your own token. So that's the first part. Second part is uh, all the token holders um, that have done more than three transactions in one particular quarter, they're able to claim back on a quarterly basis 20% of all the fees that, that have been ger- generated, uh, net fees that have been generated on the Bancoris platform. So you can, you can claim it back via, via staking the token, adding value to the network. So that's something we believe is quite interesting. Uh, for the the token holders that they are able to get uh, they're able to be able to get part of the part of the the fees back if they're very active on the platform and then thirdly um, similar to a private bank uh, there are different tiers of customers that we have we have silver customers gold customers platinum customers and you maintain your particular platinum uh, membership or gold membership, silver membership, via holding in perpetuity uh, the tokens, and for a minimum of ninety days, keep keep the tokens, uh, keep the tokens to get the the benefits, and then you can renew every month. Um, what does it mean to be platinum member? Well, platinum member or gold member gives you earlier access to particular products. Uh, early access to new technologies, new services, beta releases, etc. Especially for crypto high net worth and high net worth, when we have particular um, really nice assets that are very rare. For example, we have a Picasso for sale, or we have uh, a, a penthouse in Vancouver downtown, really good location uh, for sale. Then gold members, uh, platinum members, will be able to buy that particular uh that particular asset outright so rather than having fractional ownership via the tokens they actually can put in a bid to own the the whole asset outright and buy all the tokens at once and then if it doesn't get sold it it will it will it will get fractionalized so those were part of the part of the benefits that that token holders would get and a lot more concierge services and we're really looking to, uh, to, to make it the most elite experience, the most premium experience uh, of, of, of crypto high net worth and high net worth in the crypto space. Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a combination of access rights, payment rights, and, and a few other fringe benefits that, that one can get. Bancorus recently got selected into the JD.com accelerator and for the benefit of our user listeners who might not know JD.com, it's a, it's a competitor to Alibaba in the e-commerce space in China. 
and they recently launched an accelerator for AI and blockchain startups. Has the program begun already or you've just been accepted into it so far? Uh, we were actually one of the founders uh, of the program. Uh, we are, or, you know, have ha we have the same uh, venture capital investor as uh, as JD.com, as Jindong. Right. Okay. The team pretty well. And, and we actually, you know, we're talking together a few months ago and said, look, we've done a lot of AI, both of us. Why don't we focus on blockchain as well? And Bancorus has been working a lot on blockchain. Might be something interesting for JD to do as well. And then JD was like, okay, how can we, how can we um, do it in the most efficient way? And, you know, accelerator is sort of one of the ways that you can accelerate the learning. Um, so the, the program officially hasn't started yet, although informally there are a lot of, a lot of conversations going on and both parties are, are seeing how exactly that we can help uh, getting getting JD on the blockchain and also how the Bancorus ecosystem and the JD ecosystem uh, can have an overlap and, and a mutual benefit. So yeah, we're really happy that we're the only company uh, in Asia, uh, not just in China, um, but in Asia and also the only company that has a very big AI component to uh, to work together with JD uh, or Jin, Jin Dong, how it's known in China. Uh, it's, it's the third largest internet company in the world by revenue. Um, so we are, yeah, really, really, really happy to, to have access to, to, to them and their, and their resources. Before, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question that I ask uh, all my guests. I want to get your outlook on the blockchain space in general. Uh, you know, we're obviously in very early stages. Uh, where do you see it heading over the next couple of years? And, you know, are there any particular areas that you're particularly bullish on or that you have strong opinions on? Good question. Um, I think for us, the main conviction is that within this and five years time, it is possible to own your entire wealth in the form of tokens. So we don't think there will only be a growth of actual digital uh, utility tokens and assets, but specifically on the security token side, I think the way that we are a little bit different is that we think now 99% of all the tokens is a utility token. Within this and three years time, 99% of all the tokens will be security tokens and we will securitize uh, a great deal of assets. And we think that this particular wave will happen really, really fast. Um, the World Economic Forum you know, predicted that by 2027, 10% uh, of world GDP, so it's 10 trillion or more than, more than 25 times the current uh, evaluation uh, of all cryptocurrencies combined uh, will, be, will be on the blockchain. And so we, we ascribe to that as well. We think that that will definitely happen. And the fastest way of this, of this happening will be high net worth moving into crypto via security tokens, via normal tokens, uh, via compliance, compliant platforms like Bancorus. That's really the big, the big uh, future trend that we see, that we see happening. And, and you can see it in the States already with the great success of Polymath and T0 uh, Etc. So, so we think that will be that will be the main thing. And then for Asia, I think Asia is going to be the continent for sure where we will see a lot, a lot of the innovation. I think what's happening regulatory wise in the United States will make that a lot of the innovation will be stagnating. And this is a golden opportunity for Asia, where all the regulators, or most of them at least, have been very much in favor of crypto. So I think. The next five years, blockchain, you know, is, is definitely 
a lot of interesting things coming out of Asia. Exciting times indeed. I, I do agree with you, especially when it comes to security tokens. Uh, any last comments from your end? Uh, you have a public sale of your ICO coming up. Uh, what's the best platform for you to, for people to follow you as well as Bancorus's developments? The best place is to join our Telegram group chat, which is t.me slash Bancorus, B-A-N-K-O-R-U-S, like dinosaurus. That's really the best way uh, to follow us. Otherwise, our website, which is bankorus.com, bankorus.com. Great. Uh, on that note, let's end this uh, interview. Thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, providing us with those fascinating insights, Greg. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. And apologize for the interruption of my kid. No worries. And congratulations again on the, on the baby. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.